Uh, I think we're recording, right? Hey. Hey. Well. Well. Well what? I was going to say, well, folks, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> That's not authentically you. No, it never, it's never, it never feels authentic. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Well, folks, welcome back. This is Modern Dadhood, an ongoing conversation about the joys, the challenges, the general insanity of being a dad in this moment you are adam flaherty <laughs> and you're a dad to, to you've got two kids don't you now <laughs> yeah, <I> do. <laughs> for a number of years i've had two yeah <laughs> going on what for uh five years almost coming up getting, five coming years up in the five winter years. and yeah. i'd like to introduce my co-host and friend mark andrew check who is a father to twin boy three and a half year olds mark who's our guest today oh man Who's our guest today? I'm glad you asked. This is going to be a real treat for uh, not only our listeners, but also for us, because we have prepared nothing, okay? This is haphazard, but that but don't mistake that for less than. No, 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 no. No, it's not. Here's why. Because our guest today is, is, is a very good, dear, long-time friend of mine. Uh, I know him as Murph. Adam, you're going to know him also as Murph, but I'll put his full name out there just to just to check that box. His name is Ryan Murphy, and he's a genuinely amazing person. Well, that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to meeting him, and we'll bring him into the conversation in a few minutes. How are you? Terrible. <laughs> I could sense before we started. I'm going to call you on something uh-huh. before we started recording. I could sense that you were a little off. Yeah, you a little pissed about something. Yeah, what's I, what's happening? I am. Well, I feel like there's a lot going on, but I'll give you three words <laughs> that will explain a little bit of my shitty mood. And those those words are hand, foot, and mouth. Oh shit! So that's. That's a part. That's part of what's going on, but that's not even the worst of what's going on. To be honest with you. Yeah, one one of my, there's you know that my wife was saying how this there's a sign on on our door at at daycare and on on our kids' door, and it that's says never you know, a good never a good sign. No, and and like I don't know, maybe two weeks ago it was like we have it's typed up. We have two cases of hand, foot, and mouth. And then two days later, you go in and the two is crossed off with pen <laughs> and a little four is written above it. Oh. And then and then you go back and then the four is crossed off. <laughs> and I guess today, so so one of one somehow only one of my kids has gotten it. And it's pretty clear because he's got the spots. He had the uh, fever. They both had a fever. But for some reason, the other one, he just... He had the fever one night and that was it. Did either um, of you guys get it? No, not yet. <laughs> but well, that's there's, good. There's always tomorrow. Um, but my, my wife went and picked up my other son today and I guess they've crossed off all the numbers and they just have written the word several. So now it's just as we have that's several. That's very cases. ambiguous. Yeah. It just, it's just going through everybody. So that kind of sucks. But the real thing that's going on in and around all of this is 
is my other son. So the one that's not the one that's sick right now, but my other son has just been really, really difficult to deal with lately. And it's, it's even hard to explain. It's even hard to just like explain, but he's, he's very, um, I don't even know how to describe him in brief, to be honest. He's, he's a lot. He's like, the kids would say, the kids would say he's extra, you know, Sarah and I have been saying, uh, calling things a lot lately. (laughs) It's actually really fun. It's a very funny turn of phrase. Yeah. And you know exactly what it means. Yeah. It's like, you need to, when you're done interacting with somebody, you need to like take a breath. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's kind of how I feel with, with him. He, but you know, he's also, he's three and a half. Right. And so the, and the, the feeling of like, Oh, that's a lot. He's a lot. It starts first thing in the morning and then it just, it's just repeats throughout the day, all day long. He gets really frustrated with a lot of stuff really quickly, but he also resorts to full volume screaming. He's a young man of amplitude. He's spirited. This is kind of one of the words that we (laughs) use. He's spirited, but he's really wearing us down. And both of us, I think, spend a large part of every day kind of at a loss with him. We don't really know how to, how to handle what's going on with him. And so we actually have brought in, we have a, we see an OT and he's gone to see an OT a couple of times. And then we also just started talking with a um, psychologist, psychiatrist, psychologist, a psychologist who hasn't met him yet. The OT has met him. But what's, what's a little bit maddening about it is that he goes to the OT and spends time with, with her and he goes to daycare every day and he's great. He's a do you think, helper and I mean you have to trust that that's true, right? Because if mm-hmm. if he was problematic there they would want you to know. Oh yeah. Like literally the other night. No, it was a Saturday. Saturday was an absolutely terrible day. It was an absolutely mm. horrendous day because from the morning he, when he woke up till he fell asleep. It was stretches of an hour at a time of him losing his mind, mm-hmm. hysterical, screaming, taking all of our chairs around the dinner table and grabbing the backs of them and slamming them down to the ground and picking up whatever he could find and throwing it as hard as he could across the room. Hmm. And, you know, we, we try all of these things with him. You go to him really calmly you know, and try to be this really like soothing, you know, sure. or you try to get down to where he is emotionally and it express the same frustrations as him trying to commiserate, you know, or, or feel what he's feeling or you get in his face and say, that's it. That's enough. You're done. You know, you try to be stern, you know, or try to be this like authority or something, or you pick him up and just run outside with him quick, you know, just change, for a change. Yeah. Get, get him in the car, drive him for a few minutes. You know, at one point I took him upstairs and just drew a bath and plopped him in the bath and nothing, 
changed anything. Wow. The whole day. You tend to think of everything as phases when mm-hmm. kids are young. But I mean, are, is your feeling and Jamie's feeling and maybe the OT's feeling or the psychologist that this that there's something more that's causing the, this behavior that that could be addressed and kind of corrected for so that he his so that everybody is happier, but like yeah. that he is a more happy person because that's going to be absolutely exhausting for him too. I think Jamie and I and the OT that the psychologist psychologist man I get those two turn I get she's a psychologist. She doesn't know him yet. The rest of us think that something's going on with him. Anyway, we're kind of knee deep in this journey of trying to better understand where our, our, our one son is emotionally, behaviorally, cognitively, and it's and it's leading to a lot of frustration. Oh, shit, I'm really sorry you guys are dealing with that. That's that's really tough, and I do uh, I do hope that the between the OT and the and the psychologist, you can at least you know maybe identify what's going on and yeah. work on a path towards making it more livable. Because that's yeah. really hard and exhausting. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for listening. You know, you can vent to me anytime, even when we're not recording a podcast or a wait, podcast. Wait, wait, wait. We're recording a podcast right now. Yeah, um, we, yeah, we were recording yeah. this whole thing, and um, I, didn't, I didn't know that part. <laughs> I mean, I think that you've signed a lifetime release form, so uh, yeah, this is going to be part of the episode. Well, hey, here's what I'm going to say: as if being a parent isn't just hard enough. You know, becoming a parent can sometimes equally be as difficult. Is that a segue? It feels (laughs) like one. (laughs) Did you see me just ride in on my segue? (laughs) You just cruised in. And I'm going to ask you to turn around, just wheel Uh, it around and cruise back out. Just take your your bell bicycle helmet and your stupid segue out of here. Um, Yeah, that was a segue. I'd love to welcome a very good, longtime, dear friend of mine, Ryan Murphy, to the show. I'm really happy to, to have the chance to invite him on the show. Uh, he's, he's going through something right now that is um, dadhood adjacent. I'll say dadhood adjacent. He and his wife are on the, on the IVF journey. And if folks out there don't know exactly what that means... Stick with us. You'll find out. Um, It's near and dear to my heart, not just because uh, my good friend is going through this particular journey, but my wife and I also went through a similar journey in order to have our two crazy, wonderful kids. This is a a, a topic that's near to my heart and something that I'm, I'm very familiar with. I'm really excited to just sit down and sort of chat with my good friend Murph. Uh, about his experience with with the journey, and I'm I'm excited for him to meet you, Adam, because you know what, you and I are friends. He and I are friends. Let's get like a, a, you a trifecta know, of friendship. Don't do the scissor motion with your fingers. Oh, I, I was hell? trying to do. I was just trying to say we're going to all be good friends together. 
Isn't that what that motion is? I think I'm means? out. I'm going to duck out of this. You guys can talk. Jeez, oh, I guess screwed it I'm up. I'm going to go drink a beer. So sorry. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Murph, Ryan Patrick Murphy. Hi, welcome. Welcome to Modern Dadhood, man. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. We're glad to have you here. And here's a little plug for you before we get it really get into the uh, the conversation. I heard Mark on your podcast, mm. maybe what, a year or so ago. Uh, tell us about your, your podcast. I host a podcast called Chuck a Talk with Ryan Murphy. And uh, it's, it's really about it's conversations with people in, in my sport. I grew up playing the sport of polo cross, uh, like lacrosse on horses. It's an, it's an Australian sport and uh, made friendships along the way and thought if I could pick the brains and find the blueprint, I could educate other people and sort of connect people from around the world. And um, so, yeah, that's what that's my podcast called Chuck a Talk. We will link to Chuck a Talk in the show notes. But um, just because I'm so curious, what does the phrase Chuck refer to? So uh, polo cross was derived from polo and the period of play that you play in polo is called a chucker. Okay. C-H-U-K-K-E-R. And so Aussies, they're famous for shortening words. If your name's Brett, they'll call you Bretto. If your name's Jack, they call you Jack. That's longer. Oh, that is okay. longer. I know. But most of the times they're shorting, <laughs> shortening. So they call it a chucka. Okay. C-H-U-K-K-A. They had to Aussify it when they invented the sport, when they combined what they call netball and polo. Well, listen, we we didn't prepare at all for this because... One, we wanted it to feel a little off the cuff, but also two, you and I know each other. So here's one question. When did you begin this journey towards IVF and like, how far along are you at, at this point in time that we're, that we're talking? Yes. So we got married in July of 2019 and congratulations. Eric, thank you. And Erica, late, sorry didn't want to be pregnant on the honeymoon, which was New Zealand of February, 2020, right before the outbreak. Wow. So, so we had a, a dream honeymoon, got back just in time. And that's when we started just doing it the natural way. And when you're, what do you mean by the yeah, natural way? I'm so, hold on. <laughs> what is that? The natural, what does that mean? I mean, what you see on the internet, just like the good book explains. It's, uh, <laughs> It's all very now I understand. It's all okay, respectful, we get it. extremely respectful, and we um, get it. Yes, and so you know, you think even though I was thirty nine and she was thirty seven when we started, there was nothing of note, no major complications. So we were hopeful. We just thought we'd just get pregnant naturally. We found out after months of that that it just wasn't going in the right direction. So. So we tried naturally from February until um, September, and then we started IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. When you do IUI, you go in, you give a sample. Um, that's always a tricky thing because it's got to be within a certain uh, time period uh, of the IUI. You go in there, mm. and <laughs> this hospital actually showed me what my sperm looked like under a microscope. Oh, so I saw. Did it look just like you? And uh, so they take that and put it in a centrifuge and, and just bring it down to the what you need, and they insert that into an egg. And uh, she had to take trigger shots um, to ovulate and all that. 
And so it, it looked like, okay, you know, looks good for my end. She looks healthy from her end, but it just never took. Uh. And uh, we tried that for three cycles and we were unsuccessful. So we had to go through that emotional roller coaster of that being unsuccessful. So natural didn't work, IUI didn't work. And so we took that next step of IVF. Was that around a year, a year's time then all, all in between both the natural and the first medical procedure? Right. Wow. And so we, in January of 2021 of this year, we had our first consult for IVF. IVF is in vitro fertilization. And that's what that stands for. And so they will actually extract eggs. I'll give them my sample outside of the body. They do the work. They fertilize the egg. Well, you, you then, do a little bit of work. Don't sell yourself short. Right. But, I, and, you know, it's, it only lasts several minutes and I'm done. <laughs> oh, oh, it took you that long? <laughs> You're in a medical facility, Mark. I think I want I do want to talk about that part a little bit. Wait, can, let's back up. Let's back up. What was that first part of the journey like for you? Well, you start off when you're younger and you think that, oh my God, it's so easy to get a woman pregnant. It happens accidentally all the time to, all right, we have this, these many days, we have to do it this way. Um, it becomes very, uh, very mechanical. Yeah. Also, then feeling sort of helpless because of what she was going through and uh, that I couldn't, there's nothing I could do about it. So when we did start the IVF process, I felt like that next step and sort of the belief in science and them giving you sort of, uh, you know, statistical information about, you know, the odds, you know, we felt much more hopeful, but yeah, I'd say the biggest word for me was help just felt helpless. Um, because you yeah. know, I could tell her all, you know, a bunch that it wasn't her fault, but she's going to feel that way in medical terms. They use the word geriatric when she, once a woman hits the age of 35 and that's such a drag, it, yeah. that, that's, that's just such, that's just such a bummer, such a terrible, like choice of words. And yeah. I actually can't believe that there hasn't been a movement to change that. Maybe there is now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's crazy too. And I, I, I had no idea. You know, and, and our doctor was fantastic. I don't mean this to sound like, but he does this all the time, every day. This is what he deals with, you know? And so he's sitting there with his pen and his notepad writing stuff and kind of looking down and looking at his computer screen more than he's looking at us, you know? And he, that sentence comes out, well, yeah, well, I see you're um, 38 years old. Well, that's, you know, that's, uh, and we consider that geriatric. And then he goes on to say a couple of other things. And we're like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> because it really, it really hits you in such a way it was fully unexpected. And it's difficult enough going through some of that because you are thinking things like, well, what the hell's wrong with me? Well, and here's something that we couldn't control is when we found each other at the stage of life that we had, you know, we, yeah. I feel like we have a very strong relationship and, um, you know, and, and what goes through your mind is what if we don't get pregnant? We start thinking about, you know, we would adopt and uh, that whole process. So mm -hmm. you start thinking about what if, what if, and when they say geriatric, well, I couldn't, you know, I didn't meet her when I was 20. It's not, it's not our fault, but, you know, right. we just happened to find each other later on in life and got married. 
So yeah, so it's not like you can kind of control that. Something that you just said, Murph, uh, uh, made me think of this. You said, you know, what if we don't get pregnant? So once you have, I don't know what the word is, graduated to IVF, part one of my question is, is there a limited number of times that they will perform that? I guess at some point, do they say it's not in your best interest to continue trying this? And then part two is there's got to be a financial aspect to that, too, which must add so much more complication to that process. You have to weigh that against how badly do we want a child. So it's really up to you how many times you want to try. And it does come down to money. Insurance will only cover, I believe, up to $20,000. If you'd like to test the embryos, which I've found is very important, that's out of pocket. That's several Mm -hmm. grand a time. Um, So there is that limitation. And then what also goes through your mind is, I mean, if you think about, well, on her first retrieval in April, she had to have 20 shots in her belly that she had to, that she had to give. Um, and self-administered. Yes. I mean, so there are limitations as to how much you want to go through that. And I think that, I think that women are, I mean, it's amazing how, what they'll go through to try to get pregnant. Really it's how much you're willing to go through that and the emotional roller coaster and the rejection. Uh, and we had, we haven't gotten there to that endpoint, but there are huge financial limitations. I think Adam, you just brought up something. It's actually, I think it's really important because I think, I don't know. I don't know. My wife and I went through a similar thing and I don't know what it's like to not go through this journey that we're talking about. I don't know what it's like to not have to bring in this doctor and that specialist and have these appointments and think about this schedule and deal with this series of uh, this drug regimen, you know, but the amount of time that goes by, first of all, oftentimes when people get into the situation that, that Murph and that I, that, that he and his wife and that me and my wife got into time is already of the essence. And I think that's a difficult thing because you start to think about you're starting to plot things out, not just months in advance, but several months, several cycles in advance. And you're saying, okay, she was 37 when she began. And you already know that the period of time is 40 weeks. You know, when you get pregnant, 40 weeks, that's not a short period of time. Nine months almost, you know, is, is a, is a, you know, you think of it in terms almost of a year, you know, and so if it takes you a year to just get to that point, well, then you're talking about two years. And when you're 37 years old, time starts to feel like it's slipping away a little bit. And I, I know that I know from per, from personal experience that that can be a little bit difficult. And I guess before you guys even got to, OK, let's try IVF, how much time had already passed for you guys. So that would have been a whole year of trying everything else to get to that point. And I mean, you know, it is, you're right. I think it is difficult in a very different way for the woman that's going through it, because there's a lot that's involved. Sometimes there's drugs that's involved and that can really mess. That can mess you up physically. It can mess you up mentally, 
pregnancy hormonally hormonally pregnancy in and of itself really messes with your head and and messes Mm -hmm. with your body in in ways that you don't know until you know i think i almost feel like we should talk just for like a second about like what it is and how it works right so like essentially in a natural circumstance a woman is on like a, a cycle right and there's a period of time where period they, she she can get pregnant and that is of sort of utmost importance during a, an IVF process right and so there's a series of shots to increase egg production and um the retrieval refers to sometimes they use the word harvest which is actually kind of a really it's such a it's like a word that like I don't know. It just makes me think of like the matrix, you know, which makes me think that scene where you first see Neo in the real world, you know, and it's, it just makes me think of that, but it's like, certainly scientific, you know, it's very scientific. And, but there's this period of time where they can go in and actually retrieve harvest, take out viable eggs. And they look at them and they determine how many of these eggs are worth keeping and how many have a potential for being working. Yeah. So then they take the other half of it, which is that's where our job comes into play. And it's, it's usually happens in a weird little room where there's like one kind of comfortable chair, but you yeah. definitely don't want to sit in it. I never use that. I just use my phone. <laughs> don't use I, the chair. I wasn't going to use Lots of dudes yeah. use it. <laughs> never use the chair. Um, Can we talk about this for a second? You probably yeah. won't have this on the podcast, but I turned on the TV. I was just curious what's what's selections available. They have a TV in the room. Yeah, what are they what are they, they serving they up? They had an app, it? but you had to log in. So there was nothing free. So I just used my phone. It just made the most sense. Yeah. Um but I didn't want to destroy the room. They, I mean they had like a paper that you put over the couch like, you know, so they <laughs> could, and I I touched as little as I could. I just used my phone and headset. Or like you know, AirPods and oh, I I didn't use a heads. I just turned the volume all the way up and just whoever was walking by outside, they know what's going on in there. I mean, they've heard and seen it all. Yeah, right. Yeah. Did your room? Let me ask you this, Murph. Did your room? I thought this was classy. My room had a three ring binder with laminated pages explaining what was on the TV. If just in case you wanted to sit down and browse. In paper it's for, form. Like for the people who get off on like reading the story. Like oh, stories. maybe that was what that was less about what's on the TV and more about just that's your device. That's your. <laughs> so they so they retrieve they retrieve the eggs. They take the sperm and with IVF, they introduce the two to one another in a dish, in a Petri dish. And then they watch it and they watch it for a couple of days and they see what happens after a few days. They can determine whether or not one of those eggs becomes inseminated and turns into an embryo. And there's a very short period of time that that will happen, that they watch it. And they're looking for very specific things. They're looking for a certain number of cells that are dividing. And if things go well, then you'll get a phone call and you'll say, uh, I mean, you know this is going to (laughs) happen, but you'll get a phone call that says, get back down to the hospital there's a buildup to the the retrieval. They are 
doing ultrasounds and checking you, how many they see before the actual retrieval. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, she's taking the shots. And so there's, um, so she has an idea of how many eggs. And so in the first retrieval in April, we started with nine eggs um, and five became embryos. And then we only ended up with two that were viable looking. They were untested. And so we thought, let's just put one of those two fertilized embryos in fresh, untested. And let's freeze the other one and test it. And so the results of that was the fresh one that when we did the transfer, it didn't keep. And the other one had chromosomal issues and was a dud. So... Now, after all of that process, it's several months, we, we started at zero, and that was just devastating because we thought we had nine eggs, we had five embryos, and the attrition rate was huge. So that's another blow to the, you know, to the confidence, especially after everything she went through. Let me ask you this. What does time feel like to you right now? I mean, are you in a moment where you feel like things are flying by? Are you in a moment where you feel like things are sort of standing still. I think things are flying by. My analogy would be having a hangover. You drink a lot, you get really sick. And the next day by the afternoon, you're like, I could have another drink. I could do that again. (laughs) As tough as it's been, we're just so hopeful. And uh, we've learned so much along the way that we feel more in control than we did when we started. Hmm. So... Still going through it, but very hopeful now that we've you know had them tested and put in a tested good embryo. We'll pick back up with part two of our conversation with Ryan Murphy in the next episode. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the episode, for better or worse. Probably a little both. Dads, you can find us at moderndadhood.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere. Wherever you listen, though, please do subscribe, follow, uh, leave us a quick rating and review. And uh, if you're out and about this fall Mm -hmm. or autumn Mm -hmm. and you run into other dads who you think might like Modern Dadhood, Mm -hmm. please tell them about the show. You know, since it's fall and it's getting a little colder, you might also want to go to moderndadhood.com and pick up a dad hoodie Mm -hmm. so you don't get too chilly while you're out there. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just look up Modern Dadhood. And we would invite you to email us anytime at heyhey at moderndadhood.com. Tell us if you have an idea for an episode or an idea for a guest, or just tell us to shut up. You want to do the thankies? Sure. I don't have any notes in front of me, but let me just let me just see what I got right here. In the old noggin. Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. Hollow. Well, I'd love to thank. Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Alby for the music that you hear on Modern Dadhood. I would really like to thank Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for always making Adam and I sound like this. You can't see the hand motion that I'm doing, but we sound like we're together. We sound, we like sound, yeah, hand heart. I also want to thank my very good friend, Ryan Patrick Murphy 
for coming on and talking to us about some personal stuff. Thanks, man. I love you, buddy. And he'll be back with us again next episode. Looking forward to it. Are there any additional thanks that you are just feeling you want to give? I'd like to thank the listener. So I'm going to say, listener, thank you for listening.